0: Hey everyone, post-edit Devin here. During this recording of CHD, I was trying some new things with my microphone and unfortunately it resulted in a more weird and muffled sound than usual. Hope to get the issues worked out for next week, but regardless, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Chippewa Hockey Download. Welcome back to the Chippewa Hockey Download, episode number eight. We took two weeks off. Well, we've got more content coming up on the men's side. We're circling back to the women's side, but to start, welcome back everybody. My name is Devin Serra, alongside my hosts Derek Steele and Matt Ryder, first times on the pod. Derek, how you doing, man?
1: Doing good, Devin. Been working hard, ready to get back up to Mount Pleasant in a couple of weeks.
0: That's awesome stuff. I know uh, the moving process is well underway, and uh, one of our guys on here, Matt Ryder, is already back in Mount Pleasant. Matt, how you doing, man?
2: Yeah, I've been doing good. Been in Mount Pleasant since the 4th of July, been grinding, been working at Dunham's uh, near Main Street over there, just trying to make some money before school year starts. We're going to get Leadership Safari going here around the August 18th. So excited for that. So it's getting a little busy over here. Yeah, that's awesome
0: stuff. I know Leadership Safari, you mentioned that I'm going to be your guide this year for. It. So yeah, pretty good stuff. I just moved in to Mount Pleasant, got in my new apartment here on Main Street. It's been good welcoming for me, considering I lived in a 12-person frat house last year that was, more times than not, destroyed, messed with, items stolen, um, messes in the kitchen, you name it, we had it. So, glad to be in a new place. Got five roommates living with me, and we're all upstairs, so I finally get a room that's not on a main floor and not too much noise, so really, really happy to be uh, back in Mount Pleasant here. So with that, I guess we'll get right into it. On this episode of the Chippewa Hockey Download, this man is a member of the CMU Women's D2 hockey team. He is the head coach and entering his third year, he took CMU to their best, win, most wins in a season this past year with 13 and their first ever Nationals appearance. He has 12 plus years of coaching experience and is a diehard Michigan football fan. Please welcome to the podcast Christopher Haney.
3: Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. I've watched all the podcasts you guys have put on so far and really good stuff. Thank you.
0: It's been a pleasure to get to know some of these players on a personal level. Me and Joe have talked a lot about rebooting this and now that we're five getting six episodes deep on the reboot it seems like it's going well and We've been looking forward to this interview specifically for a long time because of how much success your team had this year. And we're gonna get all into that conversation and more coming up on the pod. But just to start, tell us about your background in hockey. Did you grow up playing the game? Been involved with a number of sports. I know you've coached tribal baseball as well. Tell us about your experience
3: uh, getting to know the game of hockey yeah so as a as a kid the first thing i wanted to do was play hockey and my parents just didn't have the money which no regrets i had a great childhood and everything was good so i was uh i was the pond guy the weekend pond play wherever i could and uh, went to all the travel and high school games at our local rink growing up and then did a lot of that and then as i got older i got hired into dow corning when i was 22 and the first thing i did was buy some hockey gear head to toe and got into a league and I've been playing ever since. So it's going on about 30 years now. So yeah, it was, um, it's been fun. And then once the kids got of age, then I got into the coaching aspect of it. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. Um, r- really fun, and it's gone fast. <laughs> a lot faster than I thought.
1: Yeah, for sure, Coach. I know you mentioned being able to coach your kids growing up. Devin mentioned you were able to coach your son's travel baseball team. Um, your daughter Allison Haney also plays on the CMU women's hockey team. What's it like the last couple years? being able to coach her at the collegiate level? Well,
3: I certainly think at the collegiate level, it's pretty unique to have a father, daughter, or child head coach. So we make it work. And I think that with her personality, she's been accepted by the team. And that was certainly some concerns of well, I'm the coach's kid. How is this going to work? But if anything, um, there's coaches maybe out there, especially at the youth level that play a little favoritism sometimes. She would be the first to tell you that I'm way at the other spectrum of that. So the way that I did with, um, she knows that she needs to earn her time and her role and you know where she's at compared to everybody else and she's having a great time and been fun to have her and with the youth level I quickly learned with my kids to uh, make sure that we still had a relationship when we got home is I kind of have this the other coach take my kid and then I'll take theirs so Brandon Philbeck our assistant coach that primarily works with the defense and she's a defenseman he just kind of coaches her and I just kind of leave him alone I kind of focus on the forwards and we get along a lot better that way so (laughs) my son when he was about 13 we realized that we couldn't coach I I couldn't coach anymore with baseball or hockey and and then um, we kind of pushed each other's buttons a little a bit, but we still get along great. But you know, from him, especially going into the high school ranks for high, for hockey and baseball, I wasn't going to coach anyway. So, but for Allison and I, it's worked. We kind of have the same temperament and personalities, and get along pretty well with it.
2: Yeah, that's a really cool aspect—the coaching and having a daughter on the team. Going back, you know, you played hockey back in the day, but were you um, into? You mentioned baseball. Did you play baseball as a kid, or any other sports, or um, any other sports that you were coaching? Can you tell us a little about
3: that? Yeah, so growing up, I primarily played baseball and got into some football and some basketball. And I pretty much did it all, whatever. My parents were really supportive from that on, on what they could afford. So any of the rec stuff I, I was into and played as long as I could. And and then once we once I graduated high school, then into the rec leagues. Uh, hockey was by far my favorite, but played softball for a long time until – my knees gave out and uh, basketball <laughs> here and there. So now it's golf. And I, if I could redo it again, I wish that I would have played golf in school.
2: Everyone loves golf these days. I still don't get it. You know, my roommates are trying to get me into it and it's the perfect time right now in the summer season. But
1: I, I just- Matt, we need we need to get you golfing soon. I just
2: don't get it. Cause it's just like, I'm, yeah, I'm more of an agile guy, basketball or lacrosse. So golf takes a lot of concentration, so. You know, maybe we, one, day, one day I'll
3: and get then we're taking club. courses right there in Mount Pleasant. you got oh. to make a trek over to Buck's Run.
0: So you mentioned the travel baseball, the hockey growing up. You coach, you're you from Midland. You've coached 1,900 women, 1,400 women's for a number of years, and you had Allison come through the ranks with that. What experiences did you gain from teaching girls at a young level, and what did you take with you to CMU when you ultimately came started coaching
3: a really good hockey yeah so if you don't mind I'll, I'll take you to the beginning so my son when he turned four allison was about six going on seven at the time and we just thought that okay we'll get her into figure skating and he'll do learn to skate you know, skills development and then within a year she's like i don't want to do figure skating i want to play hockey and it got to the point where she was once she went to the hockey she was mocking the figure skaters on their outfits and all. no disrespect to Figure skaters at all. I, I I have a lot of for figure skaters to go out there without equipment and do what they do and fall down. Where hockey, at least you got some pads on. Uh, a lot of respect for figure skaters. But anyway, so she got into that, and so she went through the ranks with the boys until Pee Wee. So about twelve years old, typically in Midland, it was always a 19U team when we we got started. So at Bantam, then it was natural progression when checking started, and boys that the girls went over there. So at that time, I had kind of alternated head coaching my son's team and. My daughter's team and then getting into the 19 ranks the dina Howe was the creator of the girls team in midland and matter of fact her daughter faith just graduated from cmu she played on the softball team for the last several years and she had another daughter that played for davenport women's team when she the her daughters aged out it was like okay what do i do now do i continue on with coaching my son's team as a priority or do i go to the girls and they there was really no other coaches at the time so it, it was kind of a no-brainer to me. What I it, it was already a good program, but what I wanted to was build it up and build the program. So what we were able to do within a year or two, we not only we went from Tier 3 to Tier 2, and then what that did is that some of the local players in the Tri-Cities, they were going down to Detroit or they were going to Kalkaska, wherever they were searching, seeking out that higher-level hockey, so to speak. Big takeaway from that, and well, So for the girls, when I left, we had built it up to three teams. We had 12U, 14U, 19U. So I took a lot of pride in that and building up the program and giving girls the opportunity to play because what would happen is if there wasn't really an outlet as they got older, girls just quit hockey right and uh, so to have a progression where you can go from one team to the next is pretty awesome especially in area because you know Detroit Grand Rapids they have those options but not so much the further north you get here so convincing those players to stay uh, I'm going to age myself here but I call it the field of dreams right if you build it they will come those first couple players and Leah Palmer being one of them that's on the team now she's was from Claire played Mount Pleasant Youth League and then was playing down in Meyer triple A down there, a player like Leah, like, Hey, you know, if you build it, they'll come, but I need a few of you to come first. Right. And then get some success. And that's exactly what happened is we got retained more of those players and became quite competitive at the tier two level. So that's what I'm taking into CMU now is the same thing as we're building it up is when I first started recruiting three years ago or so a lot of players that I was recruiting didn't even know we had a team to build it up now that they know about us especially with our social media presence and our exposure that you guys are doing an awesome job providing for us you know that our recruits watch or you know people interested watch and see those things so it's we're in that build mode if you build it it'll come last couple years got some really good players in and that's what's happening now is that we're gaining a lot of exposure and a lot of interest from from a lot of Players, a lot of talented players now. So that's a good thing. So that's, that's where we're going with CMU. The same thing in Midland is building it up, right? Make it even more successful, more fun.
1: Devin mentioned coach that you're going into your third season at CMU. Can you kind of talk to me about what that process was like three years ago getting the job at CMU and what accomplishments going into the season, do you want to see your team be able to accomplish in your third season?
3: Yeah. So when the CMU job was posted and it, we had had a little bit of interaction with the CMU women's program in the past. If you guys know who Nick Olson is, you've seen his banner up above the Zamboni door at Martin. So I had coached Nick and I had coached uh, his younger brother and actually his sister had played on the girls team in midland so there were we had a handful of times that we would practice with them and then that was probably around 24 2013 2014 2015 maybe and then when Brittany, the previous coach she had come over for me in the summer to help run some summer power skating right conditioning skating so i had had some some contact some with seeing me and was kind of following along and then i see that the job was posted and that right then was going to be my Pretty much my last year Allison was going to age out from 19 u and then when I read the job description the qualifications or the requirements it kind of like it was written for me right you know it's like and at that point my son was going to high school hockey and then Allison aging out it's like I could be done coaching and I wasn't quite ready to be done so. Uh, I realized I was going to miss it. I applied and wasn't really sure what to expect and how many applicants were going to be and just went over and talked with Mac and some other players and had the interview with the Martin and stuff and talked about it. And when I was selected, it was pretty exciting. And understanding of you know the previous history of the, you know, the record and what the program was about of uh, okay, now we're on a challenge. What can we do to, to build this up? So the last three years have really, they, they've exceeded ex- expectations. I, I take a lot of, like, that's one thing I really like to do is build up a program like I did with the girls program or a little bit with my son in Midland with the travel at his level of trying to build things up. So I always enjoy the challenge and, and the challenge is a lot different at this it's one thing to tell a player convince them to come over and play when it's travel they, they can go to any school they want but now okay just because the hockey's a good fit now the hockey the academics have to be a good fit at central here right and get accepted so that's another layer of challenge you know is uh is the school aspect so it's been pretty awesome and it just is uh seems like i'm just starting even though it's been year three and even it's kind of year four because the first year with COVID. That second half of that year, we were able to practice and kind of get to know everybody and and go through some skating. So it feels like I'm just at the beginning of this. So uh, the second part of your question, uh, getting into this year, we always want to improve year to year. So Nationals, making the playoffs and qualifying for Nationals, and then maybe um, more competitive at nationals, that'll be our goals. And when we have our team meeting here in August at the end of the month, when everybody gets back on campus, that'll be what we discuss at the meeting. What, what do you guys want? I always ask my teams, what do you want this to be? What's your goals? And, and I'm going to coach to it, right? And, and I would think that we're definitely improved. We've upgraded. So uh, every other team from what I see out there on social media world is upgraded as well. So it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be, I don't want to say last year was easy to qualify. But I think this year is going to be a little bit more challenging than what it was last year. So I'm looking forward to, the, to that, to the competition.
2: Yeah, it's really inspiring to see where this program has started and where it's at right now. Um, just seeing on a bird's eye view. But what I want to know is about um, that coaching itch. When did you get that coaching itch? And it takes a lot of leadership. And you mentioned, you know, going to the girls goals and talents. You have to work off them and see how you can build a program. So where those leaderships, where did they come from? And maybe who did you look up to in that aspect?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So I've always been in certain areas of my life, an extrovert, outgoing, you know, like to laugh and have fun. But in certain situations, especially like in a team environment or interact with parents or, or other kids, that wasn't very, that wasn't as easy at the beginning for me. And, and I just thought like, so I get my son into learn to skate at five years, four or five years old. And then he, it was coach pitch baseball at the time. And then with Allison getting into hockey and and coaching at that very young level, I just thought I was going to be a, we needed a lot of people because you had a lot of kids on the ice and, uh or, you know, with the baseball, you just needed somebody to kind of keep them interested and in not running out into the crowd to hug mom. right? We got a baseball game, right. You know, so I thought the experts were going to take over at some point, right. Okay. I'll go through when they're real young and maybe at nine or 10, somebody else will take over. And, and every time I applied, I just, I, I kept getting awarded of the jobs. Right. And some of it was out of need. Right. It was, I thought there would be a million people wanting to step up uh, coaching and really there wasn't right some people just that's not their thing the more that I did it the more I felt comfortable and that leadership came from the coaching part with just the team interacting with kids and teaching them coaching them and then not only that but then going to interact with parents sending emails community it seems easy but at the beginning it's not so much so um, the more I did it the more I got comfortable and then uh, the hockey was a little bit of disarray because it was kind of in, at in the Midland uh, League because there was a turnover of the old guard, so to speak, where their kids were aging out and moving on. And then there was this new group. So I was out to p- dinner with my parents and I was complaining and my dad's like, well, how's hockey going? I'm like, well, you know, there's no communication and there's disorganization. And he goes, "Well, do something about it. Right? So that's when I, I, I went to the board meeting, and the next thing I know, the, oh, you want to upgrade? Now you're the house director. So I was <laughs> running all of the, the house teams in Midland. And then a couple of years later, I was the president of the league. And then I was pretty much the the girls coordinator, too, for when we were building that. I had a lot of help. Of course, it wasn't all me. But now, now you're not just dealing with one team of 10 or 12 kids and their parents. Now I was dealing with 400 plus people, you know, and their families and stuff. So and then, public, you know, speaking, like giving a talk at the player parent meeting at the beginning of the year where there's a ton of people in there. So it was a little daunting at first. I acquired those skills to be able to interact publicly publicly with people that really helped me to be more confident. And then on the coaching aspect of it to help me, what I did is I just soaked up whatever I could. So when my kids were little, I was, the travel teams would always practice at certain times and uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, I would go to those practices and watch several practices and just how do they run an efficient practice? How are they communicating with their players what what are what drills are they doing oh that's a good drill like this is before cell phone so i'm aging myself again you know but kind of like writing down drawing you know on my notepad on some drills and and i was literally a sponge for the first four or five years of my coaching career yeah. and then yeah mentorship from from other people like steve witt he's the current midland high varsity hockey coach him and i've been friends our, our sons were the same age that took a lot of mentorship and advice from him on again running a good practice uh trying to maximize the potential in every player and how you communicate with them and how you deal with conflict and, and that type of thing. So uh, a lot of, a lot of help along the way from there and just being a sponge and, and learning, right. And applying it.
0: That's all that information you just explained is fascinating because of what you just described, the little things that have to happen to run a team. A lot of what people don't see on the administrative side is answering those emails, talking with parents of players, and the league itself and interacting with coaches since you kind of just described that i was going to ask you what administrative things do you have to do as a head coach of this woman's team that people don't always see there's a lot of communication with the e-board they all have their own responsibilities but what is your role in making sure that not just from a coaching standpoint things happen on the ice and off the ice things get done for a team
3: yeah so uh mac and i we mac's awesome right she's if there's a mount rushmore of of cmu women's hockey she'll be on that mount rushmore right probably stas as well and maybe the program's been around for a while so there's i'm sure some from the earlier days right that deserve recognition but it all starts right there with mac and and we're kind of interacting with each other and what needs to be done and and we've got some turnover on the board so definitely with especially with this being max last year of uh, maybe doing out a little bit more responsibility for others but but the administrative, I do all the scheduling. So right around probably April, I'm reaching out to the coaches of, okay, here's, you know, I'm I'm coming to you this year or I'm hosting you. Let, let's get the schedule done. So that's where it all starts. And then just trying to help uh, with Mac wherever I can. So getting the buses lined up. She does a lot of that. But the, I've been the one that's kind of doing the finalization book in the hotels, uh, making sure that like right now we are just in the starting the registration for getting everybody rostered through USA Hockey. So I got that, the declaration done. I got the invites link sent to the players. So once all of them get registered, then I'll, I'll finish in the registry to, to get us rostered. And then, so just things, things like that, just the behind the scenes of our first game, September 30th, just to get on the ice. Here's all the things that we got to do do, do, do. And that's pretty much where we are right now. And then also working with the rink, you know, getting our practice ice set, getting our game sheets and and making sure that we're communicating with the rink to get that reserved for us and saved. And, and also working with the other, with two men's teams, right, you know, that uh, we're all kind of like fighting for the same stuff once in a while, you know, that uh, there's some give and take there a little bit as well, you know, that it just with a good attitude and, and some flexibility, you can make that stuff work, you know, without too much problem. So, so yeah, there is, there is all that, uh, the hotels, the buses, uh, getting the game set, getting the time set, um, getting the team rostered, that's uh, getting, getting all the gear ordered, right. Uh, has been doing that, getting, a I, with the, a lot of the incoming freshmen, we try to get most of them in April when we we're still on campus as far as size, but some of them have come this summer to do their, their orientation, so I've met them, got their jerseys uh, fitted, their warm-ups and all that, so we can get an order. So you're not going to get a, a jersey that looks like a drape or a curtain, you know, when, when in September. So it's important to get the sizing right and all that. So, but all that you want to get it done because it can take two or three months for our, our uniforms to get here. So it's important that we get that order in as soon as possible. And then, and then on top of all that is just it's the budget right Is making sure that the expenses are accurate and and mac primarily does that and i assist you where i can just so when we do the the fees that they're right right so we're not too far over budget or too far under budget right that's definitely don't want to be in those situations so it's definitely once you kind of get into Season mode is just maintaining the budget and making sure that everything's in line there.
1: One stat I have written down in my notes, coach, is three players on your team were in the top 50 for all of women's Division Two scoring last year, that being Kylie Delray, Zoe Saudi, and um, Caitlin Williams, all three of which were freshmen last year going into their sophomore season this year. You have seven new freshmen coming in. How is it going to be for them trying to, I don't necessarily want to say, fill the shoes of the freshman class last year, but definitely a tall task for them. What do you want to see from your new or your seven new freshmen this upcoming season?
3: Yeah, I'm excited. So I've been doodling a lot on my notepad on line combos right now. And it's exciting because I have more firepower to work with, you know, than what we've had. So and last year was a great team. Uh, don't get me wrong, but but we're definitely have added some pieces and it's just how are they, how are they going to work together? And you never want to put a lot of uh, pressure on a freshman of hey we need x amount of goals or assists or you need to do this or that we just want them to get get adapted get adjusted here and and take off and last year's freshman class was without question made a huge impact just like the previous year with our goalies uh, right that um, they're all good players and what I think is going to be a plus is the players that we're recruiting and are coming here are coming from successful programs so they're used to having success they're used to Winning championships and winning games. So they're going to expect the same thing here, right? You know, so when you plug them in, uh, what I'm excited about too is adding those players is that we're going to have a lot more depth than we've ever had. And kind of last year going into playoffs and nationals, we had a couple of Fords injured. We had a defenseman injured. We had a goalie injured. This year we're going to have 22, maybe 23 players that if something happens, then, you know, with 20 minute period games, the length of the season that won't make as much of a big impact uh, if we lose somebody, right. That, that we can plug somebody in. so and it's going to make things uh, pretty challenging in practice too, because we're going to have four lines, three sets of D three goalies. I'm looking forward to practice being a little more competitive uh, because people are going to be trying to grab roles in practice. And I think that'll only make us better when we get to the games.
2: You know, looking at the prospect skates and kind of recruiting, you might have a couple of scratches this year on the season. So um, I think we had uh, Nathan Bottles on and he mentioned that some guys are not going to be able to play for a series or whatever. And it can, yeah, it can make practices way more competitive, right? Like earning their spot. But looking at the prospect skates and new players, how are you analyzing them? What are you looking for?
3: Um, when you're building your team? Yeah, number one, I've been doing this long enough. Be a good person. Be a good teammate. Um, pull in the right direction, right? All the coach speak, right? Be coachable, positive attitude, fit in with your teammates. That first and foremost, I think chemistry is half the battle, right? You, you don't have to love each other, be best friends, but if you respect each other and all pull in the same direction, it'll make hockey that much easier. It's a hard sport to begin with. It's even harder if you're pulling in different directions. So before oh, yeah. are they... Uh, Personality-wise, how are they going to fit in? And then, yeah, talent of course is, is is a big part of it. And so when you're looking at the uh, kind of the off-ice stuff, personality fitting in, uh, what I just uh, explained, and then on-ice, players that have the awareness, right? Because you really can't coach it. Uh, do you have your head up? Or, uh, do you anticipate plays? Go where the puck's going to go instead of instead of where it is, right? You know, take good angles, the effort, the battle so if you can get play players that can think the game that way then that that's a major plus rather than having your head down and as i call it hot potato right the puck gets on my stick i feel pressured i'm just going to get rid of it right um you know so the more players that you have that that can anticipate plays a player two ahead and and um and hockey's read and react of course but it shouldn't be all react, right? If if you buy into our systems that we're doing and know where to go, like on the four check or be comfortable in the power play penalty kill, those type of things, that's that's really what I'm looking for is, is the awareness part of it. The IQ, hockey IQ. Great answer to that. I know
0: from our conversations with Mac, she's talked about that competitiveness and putting players in bigger roles. And you guys were a young team last year. You're going to be again this year. It's important to see that kind of transition happen where you guys do feel comfortable in those high-pressure situations. Getting more on to this past season then, what actually happened to you guys. 13 wins, I mentioned it, the most successful year in women's team history. The first time you guys ever went to nationals. It was so much fun that you and your daughter Allison had fun on Halloween. You dressed up as one of the Hanson brothers from the movie <laughs> Slapshot. And there's a great photo that circulated on Twitter of uh, you as the forward I think Alex Hansen maybe you were going for but you can tell us yourself and then Allison was the blind ref so tell us about how much fun it was to get off to the hot start you guys did 7-0 and 9-1 in your first 10 games
3: oh without question the first half simply put was just magical and going into playing Michigan State the previous year we were 0-4 against them and they were tighter games we just Struggled to score. Our, our goal goaltending was on point, but going into that weekend, not only winning the game in overtime at home, but then to complete the sweep on that Sunday against a team, and maybe before that, before I was the coach, I'm not sure what the success was, but that that really not only I, I'm sure it resonated on the league of whoa, look at CMU here, but also to each other. Uh, it's not that I was uh, planning on losing, but I'm like, wow, I knew we were good. When you see him practice in September of last year, the practices were quicker. The reps were better. the Just the speed, the energy, everything was was way better than the previous year. So you're like, okay, I know we're good. I know we're better. But still, I'm not going to know how good we are until we actually play a different team. And then so getting into state, it's like, okay, we're, we're not only competing, but we're taking it to him here a little bit. So coming out of that weekend, I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the first thing I said to my assistant coaches is, we have a legitimate chance to to go to Nationals. Yeah, it's only October 8th or whatever it was last year, but this is going this, this is going to be good and then we go into Bowling Green, like all the overtime games that we that we played in the in the first half we won and it just those crucial plays We get a big save from Lauren or or Bree. We get a breakaway that you got to score. We scored. So we need the bounces. We got the bounces. And it it just like even in all those overtime games, we were behind late in the third period. And I believe every one of those games. And then so that's that's an easy time for players to hang their heads or coach to push the panic button and, and freak out a little bit. And I just even i against adrian when we beat them in overtime at home we were down 4 to 2 with i think 3 minutes left i never once saw a player hang their head or complain or some you know just like act like the game was over i what i saw was resolve and that was a huge huge positive sign i knew that um the way that things were going wouldn't last forever because you know with the the hockey gods right we were seemed like we were all the way like we could do no wrong i knew it was going to swing back a little bit to the center of the pendulum but i was it like went too far the other way right in the second half that we just (laughs) crossbars and we were a bad bounce it would go off somebody's skate into the net or, or we had a wide open net and and miss it by an inch or something you know so but that first half it just whenever we touched literally turned to gold pretty much all the way through and and it was just a it was an awesome wave to ride because everybody was just so positive and so happy and so energetic about what was happening especially some of the vets like mac or mariah that's been here a long time Stas witnessing that from a previous player to a coach now it was it was just felt good to to have the success that we did for sure
1: Coach, you brought up that Adrian series, um, the 4-2 comeback at home. And then, unfortunately, you went to Arrington. Um, it was an unfortunate loss at Arrington Ice Arena. Your only loss in the first semester, 9-1 and in the first semester. What were some lessons that you learned in that Adrian series that you were able to take with you to the tournament to Nationals and into later in the season?
3: Yeah, the interesting thing about Adrian is – in the game that we hosted that we won, there was a particular player won't say a name, number, no disrespect, but she wasn't in the Saturday game and she was at the Sunday game and quickly it became clear that she was a first class agitator and really got it under our skin. So it bothered us. It affected us. And to the point where we get into intermission break and I'm like, I don't want to talk about this player ever again. It's over, you know, let's. Focus. Move on. So it was one of those lessons that if they hadn't experienced a player like that in their youth career, that if this happens again in their college career, to be more prepared for it in the future of just um, focus on what you can control. Yeah, the refs are going to miss calls because this player was doing some stick work. You know, she was smart, right? She understood when the refs were watching or not, and and kind of got some pokes in there. And so it's like, you got to play through that, man. You got to try, you know, it can be frustrating. I, I played hockey myself. I played against those exact type of players. So I think that further on, we got uh, used to that. I wouldn't say that uh, it was a problem all year, but just that interaction with channeling your energy the right way, uh, you know, towards, okay, let's make it hurt on the scoreboard. If they want to talk or, or do things like that behind the play, let them do it. Let's focus on what we control. And that's putting pucks in the net and staying out of the penalty box, right? For retaliation, that type of thing. So I think that was a good lesson that we learned.
2: Yeah. And coach, I mean, to be nine and one for your first 10 games of the season, no matter how it is, you know, overtimes, get lucky or whatever. I mean, and these are just new players. Like most of your team were freshmen. So like that and to be down and come back, that tests to the players and your coaching staff. So that's just amazing in itself. And that Adrian series was crazy. I think me and Devin, we called that series. And yeah, it was like three minutes left, you know, Delray to just come back and put that puck in the back of the net and make things exciting. But even coming back in the second semester, playing Sioux College and then a D1 team in Penn State, you guys gave them a run for their money and played competitively. What can you say about, you know, how your team handled in those situations?
3: Yeah. So um, the Penn State game was added late and it was part of they wanted to get an extra game in because they were heading up north to play Lake Superior State that weekend and we didn't have a, a game. So I thought, man, going into the Sioux series, it would it would be nice because we were just getting back from semester. It would be nice just to not have four practices and play Sue because it's a game. It didn't count in the rankings or standings, but you don't want to, I'm not afraid of losing. You know, if it's a competitive game of four, three, whatever, you just don't want to be so out of your competitive level with another team that it's a 10, nothing game because that doesn't do anybody any favors, the winner or the loser. So it, going into that, I knew it was going to be a challenge to, to be competitive with Penn State but I just wanted to win or lose. I wanted to be competitive because I wanted to help us to be ready for that speed against Sue. And I think it definitely did that. And then to come out of it where we only lost two, nothing, I believe. And in that game, we had several chances. It wasn't just that they were controlling the whole play out, shot us 110 to 10 or, you know, that we were competitive. And then going into the Sioux game, I think that, that definitely carried over of, Hey, we're a good team. We've had success. Let's go with these guys. And, we were only one of two teams that gave Sue a competitive game all season long. The other being a Cineboine, which is was like the two time defending national champs. So right. that's that was the message to the team. Yeah, they beat you, but look it. There was only one other team that hung with them. And that's what we want to get to. Sue is an amazing team. They have a great coaching staff up there, you know, but they're also a full roster, right? Twenty plus players. That's, that's what we want to get to, too. And just, just keep working hard and improving to, you know, hopefully get a victory against them here soon. I don't think it's a
0: secret that part of the success that you talk about with teams like Penn State, Sioux College, taking them to overtime, you're one of the only teams in the country you just said to do that, uh, your goaltending was stellar. It has been for a long time. It's part of the backbone. You told him Rasty McGibbon, one of the interviewees at the national tournament, this is part of a two-part question here. You told Rasty at nationals, that much of the reason you guys were there was because your goalies. Lauren, Abraham, Brianna Schroer played on their heads. Your game in, game out. And Lauren had, I know she's down the stretch, and Bree had to stretch a lot of games herself. What was, one, your goaltending tandem? How much did that mean to you? And what kind of stuff could they do to keep you in a game? And then tell us about your national experience, knowing that you guys were banged up going into that and you had to have Bree play lights out, essentially.
3: Yeah. So to build a successful hockey team, you have to build it from the net out and coming into that first official year to get two goalies, especially of that caliber was huge. And and that first year they took some lumps. And when you're trying to recruit and trying to improve the team, there was games where they were giving up 90, a hundred shots. Or the team was not them. They were making those saves, and yeah, we didn't win the game, but we were only losing four nothing, five to one. So when you're going to a recruit and saying, "Hey, we're we're close," you know, we only lost five to one against this team. We just need some more firepower. That was solely due to the goalies on you know, making all those saves. It's just ridiculous, and, and it gets to the point where you just expect the saves. And whether it's a breakaway, it's a two on zero. It's like, oh, they're gonna make the save, you know. And, and it's uh, it's just they can make non-routine saves look like routine saves and that's just a sign of a good of great goalies, right? And and each of them had their moments where they shined where Lauren was just absolutely lights out against Penn State and Bree was just out of her mind against Sue, right? And those those two games in a row there that it's it's hard to expect a goalie to reach that level. But you know, for them pretty much day in and day out. You just, you go into a game confident in every game that you're going to have a chance to win the game just because of your goalies and the saves that they make. So I knew that that first year giving up all the shots, that's not sustainable. They had great attitudes. They they persevered. They are looking at the big picture of building the team supportive and all that aspect but then last year it's like oh let's get let's knock those shots against down a little bit and there was a few games where we gave up some shots but i'm trying to get that down to a more realistic 30 30 shots on goal a game maybe you know i average and we were around there uh some sometimes a little more sometimes a little less and with the goalies as good as they are to get it to okay we're gonna try to give up only 25 shots on that i like our chances against anybody that we that we played last year with, with them and that and, and yeah unfortunately uh, Lauren was a little banged up, but Bree stepped up and, and she was there for, for every game. And Lauren, I've talked to her a little bit earlier in the summer. She's doing good. She's, she's going to be hundred percent when we get back. So I'm just looking for more continued success from them, you know, from what they've built on already. So it's definitely, it gives us a ton of confidence just going into any game when you got one of them in that for sure.
1: Another game coach that stands out for me or stands out to me for Lauren Abraham it was against Notre Dame in, I believe it was early December. It was a 6 nothing shutout win for Lauren Abraham at Notre Dame. But kind of looking at your schedule, your schedule has officially been released for the 23-24 uh, season. Is there any opponent? Is there any game that kind of stands out to you? Or is there any games that might be circled on your schedule?
3: Well, um, the, we have to start fast. Last year, we started fast. And, and the way that the rankings work is if you had success early on and you get that ranking those points built up they don't really move a lot the other way going down if you have some hiccups so what what allowed us to get in nationals yeah we had a, a few bumps in the road in the second half but with so so much success early on that it got us pretty much a number two or three in the official rankings are released all the way through so we're going to start with northern michigan who is historically a successful team in this league they were a little down last year not because of talent but they only sometimes with ice eight eight or nine skaters well they built that up so we're going to start with northern and then michigan state first two weekends so the season won't i don't want to put too much pressure on the opening weekend it's a long year but we're gonna to want to be successful in those first two weekends, put our best foot forward, be successful there. I think that'll set set the tone again like it did last year, right? And then moving into the year, Aurora is a new team this year. And they're kind of they're in Chicago. They have an NCAA D3 team. So the question there will be I think uh the the new coach was a previous coach or had been involved with the the Team Illinois AAA program there. So I know that uh, what we've heard is she's getting some players there. So that would be an interesting team uh, to play, and that's going to be our first opponent coming out of the second half. So we definitely want to hit the ground running again, so to speak, in the second half. So it's Aurora, and then boom, right after that is Ohio State, and then a weekend off, and Adrian. So the, there's, to me, two segments there of our, of starting both halves that would uh, be imperative to be on our game for those for those first couple weekends of both halves and that'll determine where we're gonna end up I really I believe
2: well I just want to touch on that national experience not necessarily the play but it's everyone's kind of first time I know you have a couple of players that may maybe went to nationals once or twice maybe Brooke Hubert but just that experience and maybe the connections that you made and maybe From the players' experience, that long bus ride, I was on that bus ride with you, 15 hours, very brutal. I guess, yeah, that experience, I mean, that's a huge experience in Boston. So, um, yeah, what can you say about that?
3: Well, you said it for some players, they have had national experience and that's what, that's a question I asked them, raise your hand if you've been to nationals in any sport and some raised their hand, but not all. So, so that's an accomplishment. And that's so I told him, I said, I want you to be proud of what you just accomplished because it's not easy, uh, whether it's racquetball to hockey, to any sport, it's not, it's a challenge. So with 16 teams there, Rick, and I think we're 60 some teams in the ACHA division two, you're one of the best 16 teams right? And you're one of the top teams in your, your region. That is something to take away positively from this. And and I really think it'll be an experience that most all of us will remember probably the rest of our life. That What I liked about it is all of the divisions, men's and women's were there. So you guys were there, right? You know that walking around that huge rink, that huge complex, there's games going on everywhere. And especially with some of the Michigan representation, men or women's, right? Adrian or Michigan or Grand Valley State, a lot of teams were there too. Um, and, And what I found too is that with some of the teams that I played that you're networking with them, where you know there's been some conversations. If there was open slots on the schedule, uh, let's try to let's try to schedule some games down the road. Well, you know, I talked to Dakota Botnu coach, great guy, right? Let's let's see if we can do something in the future. Villanova's coach had the same conversation. So it's awesome. It's cool to rub elbows with with your peers at that level of, of your season and just experience it together. You know the success, right? That. I don't want to say last year that we were just glad to be there, but also in the same respect, when you walk into that huge complex and you see all these games, you're like, wow, this is for real. We really did this. We're really here. That was pretty cool, pretty amazing.
2: That experience can lead to the younger players, too. They were just freshmen going into that national experience, so maybe they can bring that experience to the newcomers coming into this team in this season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what you're looking for in a team is – to have that the veterans leadership to set the tone, to, to set the expectation of that's something that we want to do again, right? We want to make this a habit. So here, here's what we did last year, and here's what you can do uh, as a, te- a new teammate to blend in, to allow that to happen. Yeah, you know, I, I have total faith in, in our team that uh, we'll gel again like that and be prepared and to do it again. Before we let you go, Coach,
0: we've had a blast talking to you here on this episode of CHD. What do you got coming up for you? College football season is nearing. You're a, or a Michigan guy. What do you got going on this summer the rest of the way? You have explained getting ready for the season and the administrative work. What are you doing personally in your free time?
3: Yeah, so the um, company that I work for here in Midland, we had our summer shutdown in June that kind of migrated into July. So I was working quite a bit of overtime, but with my son not playing baseball for the first time in about 10 years, uh, I haven't been chasing him to some tournament somewhere. So whenever I have a free chance, I'm golfing. And coming up here in a couple of weekends, we're gonna go up to Shanny Creek up by Bel Air and do our annual guys trip, where I think this year we have 20 guys and we're gonna golf basically 70, uh, 90 holes in three days. So. I'll see if I'm still able to walk and stand by the end of that weekend. So that's a lot of golf, but a lot of good times, a lot of good natured razzing uh, It's some people that they come from all over the country. Really. Now that that's the only time that you see them is once a year is this weekend. So a lot of great people, I can't wait for it. So whether I golf good or not, it's just awesome to hang around with some people. So that'd be the highlight of, of the rest of the summer for me. And otherwise just waiting to get back on the ice. That's, so. that's
1: crazy. I barely I barely can do 18 holes in a day, let alone... Put <laughs> day.
3: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's a lot easier when you're golfing somewhat well, but when you're having a bad day, it can be a long day. So hopefully I'm swinging it somewhat decent. I'm going to bring a lot of golf balls. I'll be ready. Well, hey, and happy
0: give More Spirit. Just tap it in. Just rip dingers, and you'll be all right. So we hope the right golf on. goes well for you, Coach, and we really appreciate you coming on this episode. Such great insight into... Your background as a coach, the behind the scenes work, and we know you're still working very hard for what we hope is going to be an even better and the best season in CMU women's hockey history coming up in 23-24. That's all the time we have for episode 8 of the Chippewa Hockey Download, a sit down with Chris Haney. For myself, Devin Serra, for Matt Ryder, and Derek Steele, thank you guys for watching this episode, and we hope to see you guys back next week.